I am Karan Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. We have a great group of guests as we look forward to a massive unification fight in the welterweight division. Errol Spence is going to be taking on Sean Porter on September 28th, and I will be speaking to Sean Porter. Most people are picking Spence to win this fight, but the thing about Porter is he's fought everyone in the division. He had a razor-thin loss to Keith Thurman. He completely erased Polly Malignaggi. He took out Adrian Broner. He beat Danny Garcia. And he's beat these guys through sheer will. He gets in your face and he makes it difficult. So it's going to be a tough fight for Errol Spence. It's going to be an explosive matchup. And I talked to Sean Porter. And we're going to ask him his game plan on that mega fight. Plus... Spence and Porter actually used to be friends. When Porter beat Danny Garcia, Errol Spence came into the ring after the fight. He congratulated Sean Porter. He said, I love your daddy. Let's make this fight happen. And it seemed like they were friendly. Not anymore. Spence actually has called Porter a dirty fighter. And I'm going to ask Sean about what exactly happened to their relationship. And we're going to get Sean Porter's official prediction. How is the fight going to play out on September 28th when he takes on the boogeyman of the division, Errol Spence? After that, I'll be talking to Otto Valin. He just went 12 rounds with lineal heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, and he gave Fury a very tough fight. If you remember early on, Valin opened up a cut on Tyson Fury. There was actually a little bit of controversy because Fury's corner uh, thought the cut was created by a headbutt, and that's what the referee had told them. The commission went back, reviewed it, and then ESPN went over to interview Fury's corner, and they informed them that it was actually a punch. Why does that matter? Well, that can very much change the strategy for Tyson Fury because if that fight gets stopped, he's going to lose his so-called lineal heavyweight championship. More importantly, he's going to lose his undefeated record and probably lose the shot at Deontay Wilder uh, in that rematch. There was another interesting moment in that fight between Fury and Otto Valin, and that was in the middle rounds, uh, the referee kind of pulled him apart, and Otto Valin went for Tyson Fury's cut with his glove. He kind of pawed at it. You could call this an unethical move. We're not sure exactly what, what was happening there. Was he trying to make it dirty? I asked him about that move. What exactly happened there? It was a great performance overall by Otto Valin, and even though he came up short, he really put it all out there, especially in that 12th round. He really went for the knockout, and that's what you have to do as the underdog. After that, I will be speaking to John David Jackson. He's a well-known boxing trainer. Right now, he's training a few fighters, but most importantly, Clarissa Shields, who is actually fighting on October 5th. So we're going to ask John David how training camp is going for that fight. And it's been in the news. Of course, Canelo Alvarez is fighting Sergey Kovalev. John David Jackson used to train Sergey Kovalev. They had a great run. They beat many fighters in the division but they did not have a good splitting up. It was not a good situation. And I asked John David what exactly happened then. There, there was rumors that the partnership went sour because of Kovalev's training methods. Maybe he wasn't training as hard as he could. Maybe there was drinking going on. And John David actually addresses all of the rumors. What exactly happened there? And in this upcoming fight for Sergey Kovalev where he takes on Canelo Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez moving up to light heavyweight for the challenge, John David is picking Canelo Alvarez, not the fighter that he used to train for a long time in, in Sergey Kovalev. He's picking Canelo Alvarez, so I asked him exactly why that is. What does he know about Sergey Kovalev that gives him confidence to pick Canelo in that fight? Next, I'll be talking to Andre Berto, the former champion. He was supposed to fight recently, and that fight was derailed due to injury. He's, he got a bicep injury uh, in sparring, so I asked him what is his exact timetable uh, for a return. And also, he actually fought Sean Porter two fights ago, and he faced the uh, the eye of the storm there in Sean Porter, and it was obviously a tough fight for uh, Andre Berto. Sean Porter ended up winning that fight, knocking out uh, Berto. So, who else better to break down what Porter Spence is going to be like 
than Andre Berto. Andre Berto is going to break down exactly how the matchup is going to play out. And the surprising thing is that he's going to tell us what to look out for early on. You're going to be able to tell in the early rounds who is actually executing their game plan and who has the advantage. Andre Berto is going to break that down. And finally, I mentioned John David Jackson is training Clarissa Shield. She's fighting on October 5th. Who is she fighting? Ivana Habazin from Croatia. And I will be speaking to Ivana Habazin. She's not your average opponent. She's not like every other opponent who's who's fighting Clarissa Shields who may or may not have confidence or may have respect for Shields. Ivana is actually picking herself to win by knockout. And that's going to be a very tough assignment. So I asked her how she can be so confident against the undefeated unified middleweight champion in Shields. There's also been some good smack talk back and forth between Ivana Habazin and Clarissa Shields. So I asked Ivana what's going on there, uh, what happened on social media, what happened at the press conferences. She's going to tell us about that, and she's going to break down her plan against Clarissa Shields. But without further ado, let me get to the first guest. As I said, Saturday, September 28th, we have the mega fight. It's a unification in the welterweight division. Errol Spence Jr., aka the truth aka the boogeyman because no one wants to fight this guy they're scared to fight this guy and you know who has actually no problem doing that sean porter he will fight anyone and that is why i was very excited to speak with sean porter as he prepares for errol spence so without further ado here is my conversation with sean porter i am karen batia and let's ask the experts Aaron Batia talking to Sean Porter. So, Sean, obviously, on September 28th, you are fighting the quote-unquote boogeyman, Errol Spence, pay-per-view, Fox, Staples Center. It's going to be huge. So I'm sure you get this question a lot, but they call him the boogeyman, right? No one wants to fight this guy. Everyone's been avoiding this guy, and you have no problem uh, doing so. So so why have you accepted this challenge, and, and why are you willing to take a risk that not a lot of other people in the division are? Yeah, I think that it's just a uh, part of me, man. It's a part of who I am. I'm, uh, I'm used to being counted out. I'm, I'm used to taking on the biggest challenges, man. Um, really quickly, uh, when I was going for the Olympic game, the Olympic uh, games, and, the, and trying to make the team, uh, they take eight guys to the trials. I fought in the 165 pound division, and out of those eight guys that were there at the trials. About six of us easily could have been the the, the 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 representative for that weight class. I mean, each and every guy in that weight class was tough, was hard to fight, great style, great boxers. I've been up against stuff like that my entire life, you know. So to go up against a guy who's regarded as quote unquote the boogeyman or you know looked at as a guy who's feared and not and no one wants to fight him. So a lot of a lot of reasons why guys didn't didn't want to fight Errol Spence. To start, he was a young, up-and-coming guy, and nobody wanted to take the risk of, of losing to a, a young, up-and-coming guy or being being exposed by a young, up-and-coming guy, you know? So everybody's like, yo, you got to wait your turn. Um, I was the one that said, hey, you know, you get a belt, and I'll see you soon. And uh, once, he, once he got that belt, it was just a matter of time, you know? So I'm in a position right now where, you know, um, I, this is what I do, you know. This is this is who I've been my entire life. So I'm the one who's always taking on big challenges uh, throughout my life, boxing and, and and every other sport, and even academically, everything that I've done has always been a big challenge for me, you know. So this is this is familiar territory for me. So 
we, we know that you'll take on anyone in the division. You've never shied away from that. And you get credit for that. We've seen you with a couple different styles. You know, a lot of times it's, it's Sean Porter, the bulldog, right? Who's going to get right in your face and not let you move and just apply that relentless pressure. I've heard announcers say it's like being in the middle of a, uh, of a hurricane, right? There, there's nowhere to go. Now we've also seen you kind of box from the outside a little bit against in your last fight against Ugas, uh, tried, tried to box a little bit more. Obviously, you don't want to give your game plan away, but can you can you give us a little bit of a preview? I mean, you've seen I'm sure you've studied a lot of tape on Spence. What style do you think we'll expect on September 28th from Sean Porter? You know, what? I think um, with Errol Spence, everything is required. I think there are going to be times where you're going to see me box and use my feet. There are going to be times where you see me get into his chest and dig his body and, you know, hit him and, 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 and pressure him and, and test him really the way you've never seen him be tested. Or, or 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 never see anyone go go at him, you know. Um, I did 13 rounds yesterday of sparring. Yesterday, yesterday was my my last and hardest sparring session of camp. And throughout those 13 rounds, we mixed it up a lot. We did a lot of different things, you know. So, um, in this fight, I think it's really going to depend on um, what we feel is going to be the best uh, way to beat him, whether it's in a moment or in a, in a certain round. And do, do you look at, you know, we I produced a show, uh, PBC Countdown. There's also PBC Fight Cam, which is you looking at training camp. Are you looking at what he's doing? Because you just told me a little bit about how much you're sparring. You know, he's known for doing 15 rounds of sparring in a 105 uh, degree gym. Are you looking at a little bit of, of, of what he's doing in training as well? I have not. I actually, the funny thing is I, I stay away from the countdown and the face-to-face and all this stuff. I hate seeing myself on TV. <laughs> I'm my own worst critic, and and uh, I just, you know, I, I really get uncomfortable watching myself on TV. So I really have stayed away from it. Um, I, I do have it all recorded um, just so that we can, um, so that I can take a look at some things. So I'm sure at some point I will take a look at how his training has gone, what is what his mentality looks like through his training, what is camp and, and their mentality looks like through training i think that what what you're doing not only from a physical standpoint of training but also from a psychological standpoint of training it it all becomes what we call muscle memory you know so your brain is a muscle and 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 whatever they're saying and doing in camp whatever i whatever i see on on the tv uh on on the clips on um social media things like that um, it's pretty safe to say that that's what they're going to expect to do in the ring, you know? So I think I will be able to get a good glimpse of uh, what to expect in the ring um, next week, man. It's coming up quick. It's coming up quick. September 28th, like we said, uh, it's coming up in a week. So you and Errol, um, just personally, you guys were always friends. You know, he came into the ring and he said, I love your daddy. Let's get it on. So obviously you were close. But in recent uh, recent times, he, he said that he called you a dirty fighter. I'm sure you, you didn't like that. So has your relationship changed at all now that you guys are preparing for this fight? You know what? For Arrow and I, as we get closer, I think it's the the the, the competitive spirit for both of us is like probably at an all time high. Um, the the first guy that I got in the ring with as a professional that I was really familiar with was Keith Thurman. Keith and I had gone gone back in the in the amateur program, had never fought against each other, but you know we just were very familiar with one another. So for us to get in the ring, it, the, the the it was just we we're friends and we were going to fight. And then after that, we we're going to be friends again. 
With Errol Spence, I really don't know. It, it was like, you know, we were cordial. Um, this fight is happening. And I think him and I both know that it's, you know, I feel like, you know, my back is against the wall. I think he feels the same way. I really don't know what's going to happen after this fight, you know. This kid's going to take his first loss. I know what that feels like. It's it's a it's a, a lot weighing on him. You know, he's got, uh, you know, he's the favorite. And, you know, nobody's expecting him to lose. He's not expecting himself to lose. So, I know after he takes his loss, this is there's gonna be a lot coming at him all at once. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he, he you know, maybe our friendship will still be there. And I could hear the confidence in your voice already, you know, preparing for Errol Spence's loss and, and, and getting, yeah. you know, preparing that way. That's that's great. When he when he called you a dirty fighter, I mean, what did you think about that? You couldn't have been happy about that. Yeah, I, you know what I didn't I really didn't care. Um, you know, for me, it, it's like, you know, if you are concerned about quote-unquote, dirty tactics that Sean Porter is going to do in the ring, then you're going to miss some other things that Sean Porter does very, very well outside of, quote-unquote, being dirty, you know? So I think that, you know, his, his mind, even at that, you know, you read into that, you say maybe your mind is focused on other on, on other things that aren't as important as just me being a, a pure boxer and, and a pure competitor in this sport that's going to really, you know, test you and, and, and give you all you can handle. And your preparation for for this fight, I know you have you have three different coaches. You're you're doing interesting sparring. You sparred with with David Benavidez. I know that I think you were thinking about sparring with Demetrius Andrade. I'm not sure if that ended up happening. Um, what what have you learned from those sparring sessions? Uh, when we sparred with David Benavidez, we wanted to go out to Cali just before we left for DC. We wanted to get in the ring with a uh, another world champion and really see where where I was at at that point in camp. I think at that point we were about four four weeks away from the fight. And um, we, we knew at that point, we, we proved to ourselves at that point that everything was what we expected. The conditioning was there. The um, Even from the psychological standpoint of being able to think in the ring, make adjustments in the ring, listen to the corner, all the, all the things that need to happen in the fight. My dad likes to put me into a fight atmosphere so that we can, we know that we're ready for that, that big moment, you know? So um, with Boo Boo, we weren't able to get Boo Boo in. He's got a lot of personal things going on back home. And I just wished him well. His mom is going through some things. I just wished him well. And then, of course, without without me asking, he shot right back at me a whole bunch of notes for me to to look over. And, you know, he's, he's in my corner. And uh, I love him to death and back. Um, and uh, just coming back here, back to Vegas, our last hard sparring session, 13 rounds yesterday with the guy uh, about five ten and uh, about one hundred and eighty five pounds. So that was uh, then this the mama's boy Douglin, and uh, and he's been in a lot of big big fights as a as a professional as well. So we've done it all, man. Up, up to this point, man. At this point, we're in cruise control. I'm about to hit yoga, feel good, feel great, and uh, and make our way to to LA and get ready for this big one. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Only a couple more questions. Cause I know you have to get to yoga. So in, in, uh, you, you just talked about what you do in training camp, the hard sparring. We, we have the, the multiple coaches all doing different things. You you're doing swimming, you're doing strength work, you're, you're doing uh, track work, you're doing a bunch of things. So last fight, when you, when you fought against Ugas, I know you put in a, a really long camp, um, and, and you had a game plan and then on the way to the ring, uh, and, and you talked about this on the, on the countdown show is that your dad whispered in your ear and he said, tonight we're, we're not 
going to get in this guy's face. We're going to box. So what what happened there? Like, you know, you, you have a game plan for eight plus weeks and then you kind of change it on the way to the ring. So so why did your dad make that decision on the way to the ring there? You know, he, he told me that uh, he, he went to lay down to get some rest before we left for the fight. He says he started to fall asleep. He felt something. He said he heard God tell him that um, verbatim. He said, God told me to tell you that he can't keep up with you. And, you know, Tim Porter knows what that means. That means I'm too fast. I'm too quick. And he said, tonight we're just going to use our feet. We're going to use our hands. We're going to make this a clean fight. And uh, that's what I went out there and did. Uh, somebody else asked me, you know, if that happens again and with this fight, will, will you follow that or will you do will you follow through with the game plan? I really don't anticipate uh, that happening in this in this fight. I think that everything that we've gotten from this standpoint in terms of wisdom, knowledge, preparation, all of that, we've gotten from God already. And I think that we're locked and loaded and, and ready to do what, what, what we've uh, planned and, and designed to do from the, from the start. So uh, I don't expect anything like that to happen. If it does, we will definitely uh, go with our hearts and do what we, what we got to do. And even with changing the game plan, you know, it was a close fight in that one of the scorecards went to Ugas. But at the end of the day, uh, you you did what you had to do and then you got through that that tough opponent and, and set yourself up for now. When you look back at, at your career, you know, only only two losses to uh, to Kell Brook and, and Keith Thurman um, what, of, the, of those losses. You know, I'm sure you learned a lot. Which one of those was was uh, was harder for you uh, to go through and which one did you learn more from? Uh, oh, 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 both. Um, Kilbrook. Uh, Kilbrook was the hard, harder uh, fight to go through after after the, the, the result. And it was also the, the fight that I learned the, the most from. I, I, actually, I did learn a lot in my fight with Keith Thurman as well. And, you know, even, even now, you know, you say, what would you have done differently? And I said, there's just really, just really small things I would have done differently. But for the most part, we, I and we did exactly what we wanted to do going into the ring against Keith Thurman. With Kell Brook, there were, there were no adjustments. That I was locked and loaded on one, on, on one mind. Uh, I didn't listen to my corner. Uh, I went at him one way for the entire fight. I mean, the list goes on. And I just kind of, I learned a lot in, about myself in and out of the ring with the fight with Kell Brook. So... Um, that's the one that, um, you know, that that I let the bell get away from me. And, and, you know, I told myself once I was able to recognize, you know, after going through the emotional upset, you know, and just being mad and upset at myself and things like that. And once I started to reflect and learn from the fight, I told myself, you know, I would never go through that again. And to this point, I, I have not. I don't expect to. And uh, you. You have uh, you, you went through those those fights. You went you got past that adversity, and, and now it's all systems go here for for September twenty eighth with with Kell Brook. You know, uh, do you look at what Errol Spence did against Kell Brook? Does that matter at all? You know, obviously styles make fights, so it's it's a completely different thing. But do you look at his matchup and say, wow, okay, well this is a little bit concerning because he was able to kind of stop this guy. Uh, obviously, the, the the eye situation for Kell Brook does, does was that concerning at all? Seeing what Errol Spence listen, did. Listen for me. It when I look at that fight, it's not about me learning things to do against Errol Spence. Honestly, when I watch that fight, I put into my mind, this kid is dominant. If you allow him to get his way, he will be dominant. This is who he is as a fighter and as a person. And 
for me, the fight, watching the fight with him and Kale Brook is more of a psychological uh, lesson for me than it is physical or anything like that. So I just have in my mind, this is going to be 12 hard rounds. This kid's not going to stop. He's going to want to get his way. Uh, he's a lot like me. When he doesn't, he's going to want to impose his will and do whatever he, he feels he needs to do to, in order to get his way. You know, so um, that's that's what I take away from that fight. Uh, there are other fights that, you know, I, I, I've learned some things from. But, you know, collectively, I think with that, that fight specifically, it's not a uh, it's not a um, it's not a, a style or 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 certain punch or anything like that that I take away from. It's who he is as a fighter. That's what I take away from that fight. And and just to to close it out, so uh, this question is from Parth Moki. He was actually the PA on on your show with Fight Camp, so he got to watch you and in, in all your uh, different training. So he wanted me to ask you, what is the Porter way? Tell us about what what does that mean to you, the Porter way. This, and I'm going to get closer. Listen, yeah. this is the portal way. The portal way, we don't stop. We don't accept no for an answer. We do whatever it takes when we have to do that. We love, we, we, um, we love on one another. Uh, we try to spend, uh, extend our love to everyone around us. We try to be um, uh, inspiring. We try to be motivating. We try to be um, everything positive, nothing negative. When it comes to this fight, we haven't listened to anything negative about this fight. We we don't entertain it. We understand that we always have to prove ourselves. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm from Northeast Ohio. Uh, in Northeast Ohio, uh, nothing is given. Everything is earned. That's a quote by um, LeBron James, and that's absolutely true. I'm from a blue-collar city. Uh, we work hard, and then we enjoy ourselves on the weekend, and then we get right back to work. With this fight, I'm right back to work. I'm I'm gonna work all night. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to leave the ring with two belts. Hey, I'm I'm certainly motivated and pumped, and and I can't wait for the fight. So, last question. I know as a prediction, you're obviously picking yourself to win, but are we are we gonna expect a, a kind of a 12 round fight where you're in his face all night? Are we gonna see a knockout? What what is your official prediction of how it's gonna go down? Honestly, this is boxing. You know, you never really know what's gonna happen. I, I'm sure I, I'm and me winning this fight alone is going to shake up the world. I think the way that I win this fight is really going to shake up the world. I catch him with a right hand, uh, a good body shot, anything like that. I'm able to uh, I'm able to jump on him and, and get him out of there. That's exactly what I expect to do. And that's what I want to do. You know, and, and I, again, I know that he's coming to the ring with the exact same mindset. You know, so it's my will against his will. It's my heart against his heart. It's my skills against his speed. Same. You know, the list goes on. Uh, you at this fight, I really can't make a prediction of how I win this fight. But a lot like when I fought Danny Garcia, I refused to leave the ring without the to leave the city of New York without that green belt. I refused to leave L.A. without being a unified champion. And I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see it. Sean Porter versus Errol Spence. Saturday, September 28th. It's on Fox Pay-Per-View. It's at the Staples Center in L.A. Sean Porter, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck with with this challenge with Errol Spence, and and hopefully we can talk to you after the fight. It's showtime. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. That was the great Sean Porter, not lacking in any confidence of any kind. And in his mind, he's already beat 
Errol Spence. I, th I think it's going to be a very close fight. I think it's going to be actually a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, Errol Spence ha has never really been challenged in that way. He he's he's we haven't seen him face too much adversity. We haven't seen him uh, really hurt. He he's wiped out opponents, and I think this is going to be a different test for him. I I, I think Spence is going to have success in in the end, but I do think it's going to be uh, a very different test than he's used to. And I think we're going to see a lot about who Errol Spence is and who Sean Porter is. And speaking about learning about who fighters are, we learned a lot about Tyson Fury. Can he handle adversity? Well, he did handle it against Otto Wallin. Otto actually opened up a big cut early on against Tyson Fury, and he capitalized on that. He went for that. He went for the home run knockout in the 12th round. And another thing Otto did, which I talked to him about, is he made the fight dirty. And that's what you have to do as the underdog. You have to make the champion, in this case, the lineal champion, you have to make that person uncomfortable. You have to make them not happy to be in there. And Otto was able to do that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Otto Valin. This is Karim Bhatia speaking with Otto Valin, who just came off the great fight with uh, Tyson Fury. Otto, you, you reintroduced yourself to a new audience here. You came forward, you showed heart. So what was it like for you to, to, to take on Tyson Fury? What was the whole experience like? It's been a great experience. It was... Uh... Big moment for me, you know, to be on the big stage in Las Vegas and fighting the best heavyweight in the world. And I think that I, I, um, I stood up well. I wish I would have won the fight, but at least I gave my all. And um, you know, you can't be disappointed when you give your all. And I've done everything I can in training in the in the fight, so I'm still pretty happy with it. By the way, I would have liked to won, of course. You would have liked to win, but do you take any satisfaction in the fact that you actually landed 127 punches on Tyson Fury, and that's more than Vladimir Klitschko. That's more than Deontay Wilder in their first fight. Do you take any satisfaction in that? Is that like a moral victory in a way? Yeah, it is. I, I was happy when I saw those numbers because uh, it's, um, it's like a proof that I did something very good in there. I landed a lot of shots and... Also, it shows that we had a good game plan going into the fight. And I'm, you know, I'm always happy with my team and I'm very confident in my team and myself. So, so I'm happy about it. And the other thing that, that you did that I thought uh, you did well as the you know, quote unquote underdog here was that you made it a dirty fight, which is something you want to do when you're the underdog because you want to make the champion, you know, in this case, the lineal champion, you want to make him uncomfortable. And, and he actually ended up having to get 47 stitches so do you do you take pride in that a little bit that you were able to at least make it uncomfortable it wasn't a walk in the park by any means it was a competitive fight and you made it dirty yeah but yeah it wasn't a dirty move or anything that opened the cut it was a punch but of course i wanted him to know that he was in a fight because i think a lot of the other guys that he's fought didn't didn't do that so i wanted to show that i'm there to win and do everything i can to beat him and wanted to show him that he was in a fight and I think I did that. 100%. You, you opened up the cut early with a punch. It definitely was a punch. No no doubt about that. The, the only uh, questionable move, and of course I have to ask, I think it was after the sixth round, you guys were kind of jawing at each other, and then you, you put your glove up and kind of pawed, pawed at the cut a little bit. What, what happened there? Uh, I haven't watched the fight, so I can't really recall, to be honest. But, yeah. Uh, I, I heard, yeah, other people saying that too, but... Yeah, I can't really recall it right now. I got to watch it. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You, the, the the ref was kind of trying to break you up, and you put your hand up trying to trying to get the cut. So I'm I've read reports. You know, said he wanted to make it dirty, so you wanted to to also make it dirty. So I'm guessing that was just in your mindset. You know, hey, I'm just gonna go for it and try to make this as dirty as possible. Yeah, I wouldn't say dirty as possible, but you know, it's a fight, and you want to do what you can to win. And like I said, I wanted to show Tyson that he was in a fight, and. You know, everybody uses dirty moves and like, you know, it happens and it's boxing and it's part of the game. Uh, the other thing I read that you said was that if it was anyone else, uh, they probably would have stopped the fight. So do you feel that he got a little bit, Tyson Fury, that is, got a little bit of special treatment there that they didn't stop the fight? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was, a, it was a bad cut. He had actually had two cuts and it was pretty bad. So I wish they would have stopped it, but I understand why they didn't do it because he is the champ and, you know, the big draw and, and you know, top rank fighter. Also, Tyson made it, he still, he still was fighting good. So, so you know, he, of course, wanted them not to stop it by keep fighting. So, so he deserves some respect that he, he still was fighting good with that big cut. He does. And, and actually, the one other thing that I thought you did really well is in that 12th round, you really went for it all. It was it was almost like a home run punch in the in the 12th round or, or a series of punches there. Um, did you feel that in the 12th, 12th round that you really needed to knock this guy out? And is that why you came out so aggressively in the last round? Yeah, because I had a few tough rounds before that. And, and you know, I, it was the last round. I just wanted to let it all hang out there. And he wasted a lot of energy in those rounds before. So... I knew that he was getting tired. I was getting tired, but I just wanted to leave it all in the ring. There was one other uh, interesting issue there when we were watching on the broadcast, and that was that Tyson Fury's team originally thought that it was a headbutt. That's what the referee had told them. As we know, the commission went back and reviewed it, and it definitely was a punch. But the ESPN went over and, and kind of asked uh, Fury's team about that, and, and they ended up informing uh, his team that it was a it was a punch, not a headbutt. Now I'm just curious, you know, now that you know that, what what do you think about that? Because that obviously changes his game plan and his approach if he knows it was a punch versus a headbutt. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they, why they did that. I read that article yesterday about that, and yeah, I'm not sure what to think about it. But I don't think they should get involved with those kind of questions. So I'm not sure what, what was going on there. So looking ahead, you you introduced yourself to the this mainstream audience you, you put on a great performance and, and what i said after is that i don't think anyone's uh, looking forward to getting a crack with Otto valin because you're a very tough out you have a a really great chin so the question obviously is who do you want next i know that you're probably looking at the tyson fury and deontay wilder winner if they are able to get that fight going early next year who, who do you want next uh to be honest you know i had i only had one round in 18 months before this fight. So that's what's way too little, but it wasn't my fault. I had some bad luck this last year. So I just want to get back in the ring, you know, have a few fights, pick up some wins and and just keep developing and getting my experience and hopefully get in line to fight for one of the world titles. I would love to fight the winner of Fury and Wilder, Joshua Ruiz. So yeah, we'll see what's happening. And after the fight, Andy Ruiz tweeted that that he felt he could beat uh, Tyson Fury if Tyson Fury had one hand tied behind his back. What, what do you make of of Andy Ruiz? Uh, is that is that someone you'd want to fight? And how do you how do you think stylistically that fight would go down? Yeah, of course I want to fight. I want to fight 
the guy with the belts, and I want to fight for heavyweight world championship. And Andy has those belts, but I got a lot of respect for Andy. He's a he's a great fighter, and he even he even texted me after the fight saying that I did a good job and I should be proud of myself. So I respect that. But yeah, I would I want to I would like to fight him as the other guys. So you know, I think um, his style is pretty good for me. He's smaller than me, but. It wouldn't, nothing will come easy. It would take a lot of hard work, but I think I can beat him. And, of course, the other big name in, in the heavyweight division, Anthony Joshua, who's taking on Ruiz in the rematch. Would you want to crack eventually at, at Anthony Joshua? And what do you think about Anthony Joshua? I think Anthony Joshua is a very good fighter as well. And I think that fight is a 50-50 fight. I think it can go either way. Uh, you know, Joshua had Ruiz down the first time. And then uh, I felt like he jumped it a little too soon because Andy wasn't ready to go. And then Anthony got hurt. So it was a it was a real fun fight to watch. And I think it's going to be the same this time. And I don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to be a really tough fight. You, you think it's going to be a tough fight? If I had to put a gun to your head, if you had to make a prediction, who's going to win that rematch, Ruiz versus Joshua? Oh, that's, that's very hard. But if I have to pick someone... I pick Reese. The uh, the hand speed is is always dangerous. And then one more uh, uh, gun to your head question: You were just in the ring with Tyson Fury, so you know him really well. He's obviously going into the rematch, hopefully with with Wilder. We know in the last fight, Wilder found that right hand in the in the twelfth round. What do you make of that rematch? How do you think that fight's going to play out? Wilder versus Fury too. <clears throat> I I think that Fury's going to outbox him again, but. Yeah, I, pro- I mean, Wilder probably is going to watch this fight and think uh, and uh, see a lot of things that I was doing that he, he would like to do as well. So, but yeah, anything can happen with Wilder, but I would put my money on Fury. You, you put your money on Fury and that's great that you kind of gained some yeah, respect there. After I, being- yeah, I, yeah I, would say, I would say that because Fury, he's come back now. He has, you know, he, he was pretty recent out of his retirement when he fought Wilder and now he's had a couple other fights you know uh, he had a tough fight with me like Kat is not too good we we'll see how that's healing up and see what's going to happen with that but but I think I would say Fury anyways and and you know being in the ring with Fury he's he's always kind of talking to you and trying to get the mental advantage did that did he do that and did that work at all on, on you in terms of talking to you or trying to get the mental edge uh, no, I mean, he, he was talking a little bit, but yeah. the referee told us not to talk. <laughs> but, the, but I think I had him out of his comfort zone because there was a few times where he was really upset with me. So he, he would say stuff like, uh, he would cuss at me and stuff. And you don't usually see that with him. So I think what, what I was doing was working. You, you clearly, you got under his skin and you, you made him un- uncomfortable. Um, so after the fight, uh, I know you took, a, you took a couple of days, you were still in Vegas and kind of enjoying and, and, and relaxing as you should and healing. And now you're back in Sweden. What was it like to go back to Sweden? Was it a hero's welcome? Yeah, it was. It was. I had some media meeting me at the airport and it's been nice. Yesterday I was in the you know, TV, you know, the morning shows, the, the radio, so... It's been a lot of a lot of hype and and people people are congratulating me even if I lost. So it feels like a victory in a way. And how are you dealing with the new? Uh, not that you you know people knew you before, but now now a lot of people know you. So it's a it's a new uh, type of fame. How are you dealing with that new type of fame? 
yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I always wanted to prove myself. I just, I was waiting for a shot like this, and finally it came, and I, I took it. You know, I didn't win, but it was a good fight. Uh, and now I just got to stay focused, train even harder, and then I get ready to beat these guys. Yeah, no, you, you, you showed your heart, you showed your chin, you showed that you're a come-forward fighter, that you'd be a tough out for anyone. So just uh, obviously you're going to take some time now in Sweden and, and you're going to you're gonna get back and, and, and rest and recover. So as a timetable for, for your return, are you going to wait and see what happens with the Fury Wilder rematch and then decide about when you're going to come back maybe next year, spring of next year? No, I'm not going to wait for anybody. Uh, you know, okay. I, I'm, I need some rest. You know, it was a tough fight, so... I need some rest for my head, but I'll be training, but I will, I will take a few months off fighting and sparring. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking to be back at latest early next year. Otto Valin, well, well, thank you for, for giving us a great entertaining fight. It was it was a great performance. I'm glad you were able to uh, introduce yourself that way to this new audience and best of luck to you. And hopefully we'll, we'll like you said, we'll see you in the ring uh, sometime soon. Yeah, thank you very much. That was Otto Wallin, who introduced himself in a way to a mainstream audience. And and one thing I want to say, Otto Wallin put on a great performance. I read uh, somewhere that you know Tyson Fury was exposed in a way because he went 12 rounds and it wasn't the best performance from, from him. I actually completely disagree. He definitely was not exposed. I mean, there was a massive gash on his face. And I think if anything... He showed that he can get through adversity, and that, that actually should be applauded. I think Otto Valin did great in terms of showing us who he is, showing us he has a great chin, going for the win. Uh, but I also think Tyson Fury did great, getting through the cut, um, getting through that adversity, and finding a way to win and keep the Deontay Wilder rematch, which we all want to see, uh, keeping that alive. Obviously, Deontay Wilder has to get past uh, Luis Ortiz for us to see that. Up next, John David Jackson. So John David Jackson has been in the news. He's, he's training Clarissa Shields, who's preparing for a fight, as we know. But Canelo and Kovalev uh, have signed to fight on November 2nd. And John David was Kovalev's trainer for a long period of time. They had a ton of success together. Now, here's the problem. They split up, and it wasn't a very friendly experience. In fact, uh, Kovalev now said, after 10 years, I finally have gotten a real coach. That's a that's a quote from uh, Kovalev. So I actually asked John David, I said, how do you feel about that? This is someone that you trained for so long. There was also uh, John David commenting on, on Kovalev losing. He said, he without proper training, he's going to get his ass whipped. That was John David's read. So I asked him about his experience watching these recent fights where he hasn't been with Kovalev. I spoke to him about that and more. So without further ado, here is John David Jackson. This is Karan Bhatia of the Ask the Experts podcast talking to John David Jackson. So John David, you're working with Clarissa Shields getting ready for the big fight on October 5th. She's taking on Ivana Habazin. So Ivana was uh, pretty confident at the uh, press, confer- press conference. She said that she likes being the underdog, and, and she actually said that she plans to knock out Clarissa Shields. So what was what was your reaction at the press conference hearing that? Well, I, I just kind of you know, laughed at it and you know, took it with a grain of salt. Here's a young lady that, you know, she's a decent fighter, but she has reached a Clarissa stature. And for her to say she's going to knock Clarissa out, then, you know, that's, that's just – you know, her trying to build a fight up. Uh, she, we're not taking her lightly, but, you know, she's, when I watched her in her fights uh, on video, she's like a step down from uh, from uh, Christina Hammer or um, the girl, um, Hannah um, Gabriel. So she's a step below them. So if she feels she can knock Clarissa out, 
That's what you're thinking, but we'll see come October 5th. October 5th, Clarissa will be fighting in Flint, Michigan, or hometown. I'm sure she's going to have the uh, the support there. I know in the past you've wanted Clarissa to, to go for the knockout. I'm guessing that's going to be the same uh, thought process here. You you want her to press and, and hopefully get the knockout, which is hard to do in women's boxing, but I'm sure that, that that's the goal, right? That's yeah, definitely the goal. It makes her fight more exciting. You know, she, she's, a, she's a good puncher. She just in the past, she she flailed away with the shots. You know, she didn't really sit down in the punches. She was just, you know, throw whatever she was throwing to try to get the girl out of there. But now she's she's settling down more and she's picking her shots better and she's punching a lot a lot harder. So that that's what we're going for the knockout to make her you know, she's already exciting, but it makes her more exciting. And you know, the, the more you knock people out, the more your 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 money grows. Absolutely, and and not to look past Ivana Habazin, who's who's going to be a tough test. She's from Croatia. Uh, she's 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 uh, got the three losses, but it's going to be a tough test. But is there a dream match that that you would have for Clarissa? You know, there, there's so many stars in in women's boxing. Amanda Serrano just beat uh, Heather Hardy. Alicia Napoleon Espinosa's on, on the come up. Cecilia Brykhouse. Now the issue with uh, with Clarissa is that it doesn't seem like the weight class the weight class necessarily matches up with the with the other stars. Is, is there a a dream fight that, that you have for Clarissa? Mm, not, not, not really. We're just taking, taking one at a time. Uh, like you said, uh, Cecilia would be a great fight. Uh, I don't, you know, if they made like a 54, that'd be, that'd be great cause for her. It would be hard to make 54 because she's coming up and she probably walks around maybe about 154 maybe. But for, you know, for Clarissa, Clarissa she'd have to come down uh, to stay at 54, which, you know, she's at now. Um, I think they'd even match by two degrees. I mean, um, to see it's kind of long in the tooth for boxing. She's been around for a while. So, you know, um, Clarissa would have the upper hand, you know, in that regard. But it would be an interesting fight. Um, you know, I see Clarissa being victorious, but I see that, you know, Cecilia is a very uh, cagey veteran fighter. So she might give um, Clarissa some some problems early in the early going, but I think her, her power and her youth would take over in the end, and, she, you know, she'd be victorious. But as far as a big money fight, I, I told Clarissa to stay, you know, just keep staying, stay busy and stay active, keep winning. I think within the next year or two, someone's gonna, somebody's going to come out the woodwork. That's going to be good. That's going to challenge you to, you know, for your, your belts and see if you're still the best. Absolutely. And let's hope that that fight with Cecilia Breikhaus does come together. Breikhaus, 35 wins, no losses. But like you said, the age difference will, will play a factor. Cecilia Breikhaus is, is 37 years old. So the other uh, topic that's obviously in the news, and, and I have to ask you, you, you work with Sergey Kovalev for, for such a long time, and now he uh, you know has departed uh, working with you. He, he's now with Buddy McGirt. He's going to be taking on Canelo Alvarez on November 2nd. You've been in the news recently, and, and uh, it, you've said that um, you feel that, that Canelo is actually going to have the edge in that match. Is that because you feel like Kovalev is vulnerable to the body? And we know that Canelo is such a good body puncher. He's knocked, uh, you know, Rocky Fielding, Liam Smith. He's knocked people out with body shots. So is is that how you see that matchup playing out? Well, I, you know, I think that, you know, um, Canelo picked Sergey for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's on a decline. You know, he's, he was champion years ago and, you know, he lost and won it back. But, um, you know, he doesn't decline. He, he, he doesn't train like he wants to. His living habits are terrible. Um, you know, making weight is hard for him now. There's a lot of factors that play into it while they picked him. He, but before, like heavyweight champions, he's the weakest link right now. And so they, they were smart. They, he has a good name on the way down, so they picked him. And that, 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 they, they, they played it smart because, you know, the other guys are, you know, um, better be if I believe the name is. He's tough. Um, he, will, he, he can box. And the other kid... Um, 
I can't find his name, but he's the, the, the WBC champion. He's a good boxer. So they were smart to pick Kovalev because he has a great name, but he's on, the, he's on the decline of his career. And he has been stopped by body. She didn't stop. Uh, Ward knew what to do, and he went to work on him. And in the last yard, he was winning. If he had more experience, he would have won that fight. But, you know, lack of experience hurt him. And, that, you know, that was his major downfall. Because I talked to his trainer before the fight happened, like, like a month before the fight happened. And I said, listen, if you go to the body, it's a known fact. Sergey can't take the body. He can't take body punches. You know, he, he, he had no inside game. He never wanted to learn that. But man, I never taught him anything. He never wanted to learn how to fight on the inside. So that was one of his downfalls. And so for Canelo, he's smart to pick Sergey. Great name. You know, still, still, still up there with the, with the, with the top of the champions, but on, on the decline. A lot of fans don't realize that he's on the decline of his career right now. So they catch him at the right time. He he is catching him at the right time, and and like you said, there's there's other great names in the division. I think Gavozdik is the other uh, the other title holder is another another really good fighter. Um, you know, Sergey Kovalev was interviewed recently by the Washington Post, and and he said, "I believe in Buddy, you know, Buddy McGirt 100." He said, and I quote, "This is a real coach. After 10 years, I finally have gotten a real coach." So when you hear something like that, I mean, what what do you what's your reaction to to Sergey saying that? Listen, he he had he had he had Don Turner. That's a real coach. He had Abel Sanchez. Said he's got a good name. He had myself. He went back and got a Russian coach. Well, when he went with he me, all these guys aren't real coaches. Now, Buddy's a real coach. Listen, Buddy's a good guy. And, and I'm happy that Buddy's going to work. He's getting, I hope he's going to be getting paid. But, you know, it's, it, you, sometimes when you, get, when you get a good trainer like that and they, all, and they all leave the fighter, it has to be the fighter. That's not the trainers. You can't have all these good names train you or try to teach you. And then for some one reason or another leaving you, that means you're doing something wrong. It's not the trainers. You know, the, you know some, some, sometime in his life, he needs to look in the mirror and really just be honest with himself. It's his, it's his reasoning and his problem why we all left him. It's not because of us. It's because of him. But until he, until he wakes up and really gets in the mirror and is honest with himself, he'll never come. He'll never come true with it. But that's okay. Buddy's a good guy, and I'm glad for Buddy. You know, whatever Buddy can get, that's fine. But you can't teach a guy who want, how to fight when he want to learn. So that's his, you know, and that was his shortcoming, his, 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 his stubbornness and being hard-headed. But that's okay because you know what? Once Canelo gets done with him, hey, one thing he can say, he's kind of cash now. You're going to get payday. You can go on and live your life now. You don't have to worry about him any longer. After, after, after uh, Canelo gets finished with him, he's done. There's, no, there's nothing else. He's finished. He can't come back and say, oh, I want you know, another shot. He's done. And so you feel after November 2nd, that's, that's going to be the last time we see Sergey Kovalev in a boxing ring? Yeah, I mean, listen, he, 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 like I said, he's on a decline of his career. They decline of his career. You know, he still got a decent name, but, he, he, you know, he, he lost He lost another he lost another fight. What, 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 good, what good is he really? You know, if he wins, hey, good, good, you know, good for him. You know, but if he loses, he's done. But guess what? He walks through with a great payday. And, with, you know, there's no, there's no more worries for you. Right, and, and, and to what you said earlier, I just wanted to say, you know, I've seen you work in person. You're obviously a great trainer. I've been up to Big Bear to see Abel Sanchez. He's, he's a great trainer. I actually visited Don Turner in Arapahoe, North Carolina, a great boxing mind. So these, these are all great boxing trainers. And, and like you said, you shouldn't necessarily scapegoat uh, your trainer if, if, if you're not doing the right things in camp or preparing the right way. Before you guys kind of had your split in, in the second Andre Ward fight, um, I, I was just curious about your reaction to the, to the way the fight ended obviously ward going to the body uh it was questionable if some of the shots were low but they ended up stopping the fight and ward won by knockout just curious about your thoughts there as as kovalev's as kovalev's trainer at the time did you feel like the shots were low there at the second the end of the second uh under ward fight 
Uh, listen, some of them may have been. I'm not sure. I, I, I never watched it. I've never watched it. Um, bad I was there live, so I've never watched it. But okay, some of the blows may have been low. But guess what? If you're a fighter, it's a fight, man. Listen, hit him back low. If it's the referee doesn't say anything, guess what? Retaliate. Let this guy know we're, we're going to fight tonight. I'm not going to cry to the referee while he got hit low. Retaliate. And then guess what? I guarantee you, we're going to stop doing that. Because now this guy's hit me back low too. Okay, let me stop. But, you know, he didn't do that. And uh, like I said, cause he had no inside game whatsoever. I, yeah, I tried to show it to him, but he didn't want to learn. He didn't want to listen. And here's a listen. I, I said, the fans sometimes need to realize this. Here's a guy who got drunk at the second fight press conference in front of in front of Ward and, and Virgil Hunter, you got drunk up on say They knew right there that your body was weak. Because if, if, you know, if you have not enough sense to, 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 to you know, conceal that or do it later on by yourself, he got drunk in front, sloppy drunk in front of them. So they knew right then the body was weak. You know, nothing else had to be said. So that's his fault. But you can't believe, you can't blame him. But he won't take the blame for that. You don't want to get drunk up on them. And you, you gave away one of your secrets that you, you, you had to get a drinking habit. That's your fault. You can't blame them. And, and, and that was one reason why Warren knew he had to go to the body. Right then he knew. And was that a, was that a constant thread with with your time with with Sergey? You know, you guys achieved so much, winning multiple titles and, and beating top names in the division like Bernard Hopkins and, and so many others. But was that an issue in terms of you felt that Sergey's commitment wasn't necessarily there in training camp and, and and you know the rumors of drinking and stuff? Was that true? Well, with these with these passing fights, his once he won the title, he changed. He became a totally different person. And with these passing fights, you know, with the um, I think it was the first. Pascal fight, John Pascal. He got drunk in camp, and I said, "What's wrong with you? You can't do this." He got drunk in camp, and uh, you know, so you, it, with each passing fight, he got, he became worse and worse, progressively worse with what he would do. You know, and he trained less. And when I when I say train less, I don't mean he went in camp training, but but the train as hard as he trained before he was champion. That same hunger, that same desire was no longer there. You know, when he before before he became champion, he was hungry. He wanted it. You know, he didn't have. He was he was he was. He was Hungry, but uh, once he became champion, all all the things that he wanted, he began to get, and guess what? He became soft and, and, and didn't train as hard as he once had, and that that's what hurt him. But you know, he he, he blames he tell his fans that he tells tell the reporters all that. He wants to blame everybody else for his, his shortcoming. Look in the mirror and blame yourself for all the things that, that that you didn't achieve because you're the one in the end who has to accept that because you're the you know if I'm doing something on my own and you're showing me, I can't blame you when it doesn't work because you showed me to do it. How you didn't do it. I take the blame for myself. Now, see, he's never listened to that. He won't take the blame for himself when something goes bad. He wants to blame everybody else. And in terms of your uh, separation for him, from him, um, like we, we we talked about the second Andre Ward fight, and after that, you guys parted ways. Was that was that partially your decision because of these frustrations in terms of the commitment to training and 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 you know the drinking and all that, or was that you know there was also the situation um, that was brought up before that fight that that Andre Ward's team had contacted you about working with them, and I'm sure that didn't help the situation. So what what exactly happened there when you guys broke up? Well, you know, it's like uh, you know, like me and Don Turner. So. You know, because they brought Don, and Don always is the cut man still, even after uh, I was in a train. And, you know, and I told Don, I took the second fight, I think I'm going to walk away from this guy because he's just not listening anymore. And he would bring he would bring his friends in the camp and say, this guy's going to show me how to fight today. I was looking, I said, really? Okay. So, you know, is this, is this thing, he doesn't tell the public or his fans or anybody the things that he did to, 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 lead, to lead to his demise. He doesn't bring that. If he's not to blame me or anybody can blame for his failure. But, you know, Don turned and I talked to answer your question. And before the second fight, I said, man, this is, this is part of my last fight, because I, I can't take it anymore. He doesn't listen. He's not trying to, not trying to listen. He wants to do everything his way. 
And Donald said, I, I agree with you. He said, Make, he, he, he's going to lose this fight. Because he could see right then, he just wasn't the same guy. He wasn't listening at that point. So, you know, for me, I, 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 that was my thing. And plus, you know, the, the war thing, it's come up, but it just took too long, you know, to, to, to uh, materialize. And, you know, a, a part of me was, I felt kind of gobbledygook to Kathy Duva because she did, she always had, had my back. So I said, let me stay here because of Kathy Duva and try to weather the storm and work this thing out. But after the second fight, I definitely do. Right before, I wouldn't be there before the second fight had even um, finished because I knew things were getting bad all around. And and just to be clear, with the Andre Ward situation, that that they did contact you to to work with him, but but you declined because you were working with Sergey, right? Yeah, well, 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 well no, I'll be honest with you, uh, because you know we, we we were going back and forth with the money. It just, it just took took longer than I than I anticipated it would take. So I I had to make a decision: do I stick with them or do I stick with Sergey? And I said, listen, let me stop this. And I, I just went with went with Kovalev's uh, team because I talked to Kathy Duva and I talked to the manager, and we worked out an agreement where I would get paid. To them, so I said, let me just stay loyal to you people, and we just worked it out. And I stand, you know, the 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 ward uh, offer was it was entertaining, and and you know, the only two people we had discussed it was he, it was myself and his lawyer. I never I never talked to Jay James Prince. I never talked to Andre. It was just uh, the lawyer and I just talked, and then you know we you know we would go back and forth, but they just took too long to get back to me, and I figured, listen, let me make, let me make a decision. And I said, let me stick with, 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 with Team Kovalev. And, you know, I just said, let me stay loyal to, to Kathy Duva because she always been nice to me. You know, I learned so much Sergey. Sergey, man, listen, I can't begin, begin to tell how bad he is. But, you know, I'm going to leave that alone for now. You know, I was more loyal to her than to him. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Your your loyalty to, to main events and Kathy Duva and all the great work that they're doing. And and just to be clear, if you had worked with Ward, that, that would have been assisting Virgil Hunter, right? You wouldn't have been replacing Virgil Hunter. I know Virgil's been with Andre his, his whole career. Yeah. Okay. Just to tell all the fight plan and, you know, show them, tell them what Sergey's weaknesses were and how to devise a better fight, fight, fight plan to beat him. But listen, once they saw him drinking in front of him, he got sloppy drunk. They knew right away what they had to do. Go to the body. That's what they had to do. That that's what they did. And so so just to wrap it up with Sergey's Kovalev, the whole situation. Where where is your relationship now? I know that you know when he got knocked out uh, by by uh, Elardir Alvarez. You said you you weren't happy that that he got stopped, but you said you know of course, the same stuff you're saying here, which is without proper training, he's going to get his ass whipped. You said, and and you also said um, you know Sergey was a borderline racist. That makes me think that you obviously don't have a good relationship now. What is the relationship like now? No, there is none. You know, from from after the second fight with the war that we were done there was no no communication we, you know I, I knew it was over he knew it was over it was it was done so uh i mean you know, the only time i ever even bring him up is when i talk to the reporters i don't you know, i i try to not even bring him up um i listen live your life and do your thing as long as you don't bother me and you know try to hurt me do what you want to do um you know i don't wish him bad i don't wish him good i just said you know go live your life uh when he got stopped by, um, I think it was Alvarez, I, I, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked. I told everybody it, it was coming. You know, it's just the way he, his lifestyle and the way he trains. And uh, if Alvarez would have fought him different second, second fight, he might have won. But here's the thing, and I tell people with, with Canelo, Canelo has to be very, very careful. He has to, he has to fight Sergey on the inside because Sergey is a, he's distant. But if he has room, the one thing you need to remember, he has punching power. And he can't punch and he can't hit. And so, so Cornell has to get inside and stay inside. You can't get Kroger in the room because that's what that's what he needs. If he has the room to punch, you know, uh, Alvarez might be on the ground. He might be on the ground. He might be on the canvas. I mean, take the biggest shot. 
but you didn't hit by a guy like this. And nothing else. The last thing, the last thing to leave a puncher is his punch. And Colbert has that. So, you know, I'm, I'm still picking Canelo, but he has to be careful in his pursuit. He's got to stay close and he's got to cut, he's got to, he's got to work on the inside. And then, and then don't let Sergey have those that long distance to punch from. Once he does, now he's vulnerable to get hit by a good shot. So that's really interesting. When when the fight does happen on November second, are are you saying that you know we'll, we'll kind of know early because if Sergey has distance and is kind of working from the outside, it's it may be advantage Sergey. But if Canelo is able to get inside uh, and and work the body and get it up close, make it a phone booth fight, then then it is going to be advantage Canelo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not saying that um, Canelo can't win a decision, but he definitely have to, he has to close that distance because Sergey. Needs the distance to punch. But you know, if, if you recall, War wrote some blueprint. He started shutting, he started closing the distance on Kovalev. And that's how he got Kovalev. When he's on the outside, it was a difficult fight for him because Kovalev needs distance to land on his power shot. Once he has that, he's in control. But then War slowly begin to get closer and get closer. So that's a ton. So you got to get that distance back. He didn't listen. So I'll have to do the same thing. Close that distance. And now, now, now you have to advantage. Plus, you're go to body. Sergey needs he needs distance. When he has distance, he's a dangerous fighter. But you close that gap, then you got him. So you know, I mean, listen, Canelo's people aren't stupid. They'll, they'll see that. They're, you know, listen, his loss to Mayweather was the best thing that ever happened because he started learning more. He took the time to learn how to become a better fighter. He fought better fighters in the process, and he lumped these passing fights. So it's more him that has advantage than Sergey. He has to do the right things in order to win that fight close the distance and keep it tight, close and tight and go to the body. If it doesn't, he gets himself vulnerable. And and you brought up Mayweather, and I'm just curious your thoughts of, about how much the weight is going to play a factor in this. Because so against Mayweather, Canelo had to kind of suck down to 152 for a 154 pound fight. That didn't end well well for him. And then if you look at Canelo's experience, making other people actually come up in weight ha- has worked out in, in his favor. So he made uh, Matthew Hatton had to had to come up for a 154 pound title. He made Amir Khan come up to a 155 when he was more of a 147 fighter. So this is this is a big jump, right? This, this isn't. Uh, 10 pounds. This is 15 pounds going from 160 uh, to, to 175. And we know Canelo's fought a, a little higher than 160 before, but he's he's been campaigning mostly at middleweight. So how much of a, a factor is, is the weight going to be? Because sometimes... You get a fighter who's going up, like even Andre Ward in his first fight with with Kovalev. In the first few rounds, where Kovalev scored the knockdown, it seemed like Ward shouldn't have been in the ring with him because he wasn't used to fighting a guy this big. So, do do you expect that at all to happen with with Canelo? No. Well, here's the thing. Well, first of all, Canelo it was smart. I'm not saying don't say, I'm not saying he's dumb. So hopefully, they don't take that wrong. Here's the thing they should do. Now he's calling all the shots. Trust me, he calls all the shots. All they got to do is go to Sergey's people, and they have no choice but to take it. They would have the same day win. 12 noon, they have a fight. It's, it works in advantage because, see, if you give Sergey time to, 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 you know, regenerate from the day before, it helps, it helps him. But if you, if you win the same day of the fight, you know, Carnello should have no problem making 75 at all. So, but, it, but Sergey does have a problem making 75 because, you know, he, he loses the weight the wrong way. He didn't have it so bad. This is just bad for him. So, what Carnello should do is do one, do one or two things. Either have a same day win, 12 noon, it works to his advantage. And so what's Sergey going to say, I'm not going to do it? Then you have no fight. Then you don't make the money. He has to take it. He has no choice but to take it. Canelo could do, should do that. Or number two, it still works in his favor at 175 because, see, Sergey has to come down. He has to cut all that weight to get to 175. He doesn't walk around 175. 
He's walked around size 200 pounds before. So he's lose all that weight. That's going to that's gonna tell him come fight night. Well, on the other hand, Canelo has no problem making 175. That's going to be so easy for him to make. He's going to be strong. He's going to involve his strength where Sergey won't. So that's why he has to go to the body to get to, to whatever strength that Sergey has left from making that weight. and zap that from him. It's over. The fight's over. Because he's, he's, now he's going to go to the body and break down whatever reserve power Sergey had left. So that fight, 175, works well for him. But, you know, if you want to be real smart about it, just have a same-day weigh-in, 12 mil, they have a fight. That would kill Sergey because he can't gain all that weight back in about eight hours or 10 hours before the fight. We, we will see if, if uh, dehydration clauses and things like that come into effect right now. We've just heard the fight is at light heavy, but the details in terms of if there is a second day weigh-in or, or anything like that, a 10% jump or anything like that, we haven't we haven't heard that yet, but w- but it will be interesting to see um, how, how that plays out. So I know you, we talked about you have Clarissa Shields on October 5th, and then we've talking about November 2nd here. So on November 2nd, are you, uh, you going to be at the fight? Are you going to be watching at home? What's, what's your plan for, for November 2nd? I won't watch that fight at all. I, don't, I, I hear about it. I might watch it one day, but, uh, you know, listen, I'm done. I, 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 have no, I have no interest in him. I could care less. If he wins or loses, if he wins, more power to him. If he loses, if he loses, at least he got a great, a great payday. I don't wish any harm to him. You know, I don't wish any good to him. I say, hey, it's just, that's his career and he does what he wants to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a addicted person. I, I'm, I'm not there to root for him to get hurt. And, and I don't want that to happen. So, you know, I, I, I won't really watch the fight. Uh, I might watch it down the road later on, but that day, no. I have no, I have no interest in the fight at all. And you obviously are busy training great fighters. I know we talked about Clarissa Shales. I know you work with uh, some heavyweights. And who who are you working with, and who are you excited about right now? Well, I'm still working with Brian Jennings. who's trying to see what his next fight is. I have a kid now. I can't pronounce his name. He's, he's from um, Dagestan, heavyweight. He won a bronze. He was a bronze medalist in 2012 Olympics. He beat after Josh Randy Amateurs. Uh, he's from... Um, I want to say Mata Mega uh, or I can't believe I can't. I'll, I'll chop his name up. He's a heavyweight, um, three-time world, world amateur champion, heavyweight champion. Real good fighter. Um, he just had his first pro fight uh, two weeks ago. He's going to fight again uh, November 30th in Monte Carlo. So it's a, it's a young, young kid I'm working with. I have a couple of up-and-coming fighters that I'm really working with right now. So, you know, anybody, you'll hear, you'll hear about all these guys. Right now we're just... They're learning and then being taught how to fight professionally. So, anybody or two, I've been looking crop of fighters coming up. And uh, just just to close it out, I, I know uh, you know you had a you had a great career, obviously uh, as a fighter yourself. Um, when you when you look back at, at your career, what was what was the uh, the toughest fight of, of of your great career? I know you fought uh, Bernard Hopkins. Um, that, I'm sure that was that was a tough fight. When you look back, what was what was the most memorable or, or toughest fight that that you had in your career? Uh, the most tough was, uh, I say, was you know, probably Jorge Castro that I lost. Uh, it, was, it was fight of the year, 1994, December 10th. Uh, that was my, my most memorable fight. But I think my toughest fight would be uh, when I won my second world title, my WBA uh, middleweight title against Reggie Johnson, because that was a chess match. You know, two very good southpaw left-handed boxers. And uh, you had to think in that fight. That was, that was a thinking man's fight. Now, that was tough. You know, a lot of people think that you know, if you fight a puncher, that's how hard you got to fight. No, when you fight a boxer, that's even harder because especially, you know, when two fighters, when two boxers box against each other, with the fans don't realize it is a tough fight because see now you got two skilled fighters. Usually, a good boxer, he when he relies on having a, 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 a no defensive face first guy coming at you that he's going to try to beat down your down your neck. You want that kind of fight because it makes you look good. You're going to dissect him. 
Because when two boxers box one another, now they got to think. You really got a chess match. And, you know, I wasn't worried about the chess match. I love that. It's just that Reggie Johnson was the biggest fighter. And, you know, that was the only person I ever really worried about my my life. Just, you know, couldn't sleep. Thinking about how am I going to dissect this guy. But finally, around, I think about 2 in the morning, I said, the hell with I know how to beat him. I went to bed, finally. But uh, that was a good fight. You know, that that, that was memorable. And um, it was a chess match. And it wasn't easy. You know, I won a unanimous decision, but it wasn't easy fight. Uh, he definitely was the best boxer I ever boxed against. And in your career, you ended in, in 1999. You actually ended your career on a win. Did you ever think about, uh, you know, back then and maybe early 2000s, making a making a comeback into the ring? Never listen. Uh, what do you mean comeback myself? Yeah, yourself. Did yeah, ever I mean, get I, back in the ring? I was, I was, I was off. Of, you know, once I, I was off of a lot of fights, and um, it's just that you know I'd be, I would be off of the fight on two weeks' notice, maybe twenty five thousand, thirty thousand. I, I just no. I you know I was I wasn't going to become a stepping stone. I knew I was still good. But I wasn't going to become a stepping stone. A lot of good fighters, they made that mistake. They just wanted the money. And what would happen was, even though some of the fights they probably won but got a bad decision, it looks bad. You, you know, you you, know, you start off with a career of maybe like you're 21 and oh, I knew a fighter. I'm going to mention his name. When I met him, he was 21 and zero. When he retired, he was 42 and 38. And so when you look at his career, he said, man, you lost a lot of fights. You know, because, yeah, it was for the money. And I wasn't going to let that happen. Even though I probably needed the money back then, I, I, just wanted, I wasn't going to belittle my career on myself by taking fights that I knew that I, that I could win but would lose regardless. And, and so I just, once I retired, I said, that's it, I'm done. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to come back and, and, and start losing a bunch of fights that I should have won, I could have won. I didn't want to belittle my career like that. And, you know, a lot of guys, unfortunately, fall into that trap because they need the money. And I'm not saying that I didn't need the money, but I wasn't going to belittle myself and just take fights and lose them because of the money. A lot of guys, unfortunately, fall into that trap. So, you know, I just uh, did a couple of things. And one day I was in a shame mode. They called me and said, John, I want you to train me. And I never thought I would be training. Cause my, cho- my trainer, Georgie Ben, always told me that I would be a, you'd be a great trainer because, you, you know, you have patience and you want to teach these guys. I said, I'm not doing that. Boxers are hard-headed. But guess what? Shane called me. And, hey, I started training. And that, that was how I got my, my start as a trainer. And, and the, the rest is history, they say. So, so John David Jackson, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck with uh, the fighters you're training, Brian Jennings, uh, Majidov that you, that you mentioned, and then, of course, Clarissa Shields fighting on uh, October 5th. That, that, that should be a good fight as well. Thank you so much for the time, and, and best of luck to you, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. That was John David Jackson, a very honest John David Jackson. Uh, well, first, breaking down the upcoming fight between Clarissa Shields and Ivana Habazin. And again, I will be speaking to Ivana Habazin uh, later on. But very honest about his relationship and the, and the deterioration of that relationship with uh, Sergey Kolov. You know, they were a team and, and they, they beat a lot of great fighters, uh, including the great Bernard Hopkins. They, they had the light heavyweight title. They defended the title. Um, and so now they are no longer together. And John David explained why and why he's picking Canelo in that uh, mega fight, Sergey Kolov versus Canelo Alvarez. Up next, Andre Berto. So we've seen Andre Berto through the years. He's fought so many great opponents. He's been a champion himself. He's defended his title. Um, he got injured recently, and he's going to give us his timetable. But most importantly, he fought Sean Porter, and that was in 2017. So he's going to break down exactly what this upcoming Sean Porter and Errol Spence fight is going to be like. Uh, Berto's going to break it down fundamentally, technically. He's going to tell us what we can look out for uh, early on in that matchup, and that's going to help us know who is actually executing on the game plan that they want. 
So without further ado, here is Andre Berto. This is Karan Batia for the Ask the Experts podcast, chatting with Andre Berto. So Andre, we you had your last fight set up against uh, Miguel Cruz for August, yes. and then unfortunately the bicep injury. So first question, how are you doing? How is recovery going? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, recovery is going great. I'm, see, I'm actually over here at rehab right now. So, um, you know, healing a lot faster than, uh, than, uh, than average, for sure. But, uh, you know, everything is going really well. And I know that you suffered the injury in sparring. So, so yeah. what exactly what exactly happened? I know it, it, it was probably a, a, a rough moment, but just take us through what happened there. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Um, you know, I mean, it's the last day of sparring, actually, the last day of sparring until I head out to New York. And then, um, you know, I've, I've already had just really intensive, you know, sparring the whole camp. I had some great sparring partners. And, uh, you know, we probably just got a little too excited. Um, you know, gym full of people, and we just were going, were going at it, man. And, uh, you know, hit my sparring partner with a uh, right hand. He leaned off to... Uh, the ropes on that on that uh, left side and I came over with a hook I really didn't get a chance to turn the hook over completely over yet before he just really slung his body into uh, into that left hand um, and uh, and he just tore I just felt just I just felt just pop and uh, you know obviously I'm sure you were excited for for the that opportunity in August that was gonna be a big fight on a big card. So what is the timetable now for you in recovery? When when can you start training again? When can you fight again? What's the timetable? I mean I mean timetable right now of course I mean like I said, you know, build up quick. I mean um they were just trying to slow me down so I won't go too fast. Um, you know, but I may be back, you know, just training or hitting the bag. I don't know probably right in probably towards the end of this year. And, um, you know, so I think I'm just going to put something at the top of the year. And that, that's good to hear that. Hopefully you'll be back, you know, this year. And so what do you want, you know, with Miguel Cruz, I know there was a lot of trash talk, especially at the press yeah. conference. You guys kind of went back and forth. you want another crack at him, or is there someone else that you'd like to fight next? Yeah, you know what, I would love it. I would love it. I mean, like I said, I don't know Miguel Cruz. You know, I don't know Miguel Cruz. Uh, you know, I've heard. I just heard little things about him, you know, once the, once the fight got made. Like I said, I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know where he was from. I didn't, and that's where a lot of that stuff stemmed from because he was, uh, you know, he's from my, he was close to my area and, and, you know, his training with some of my old coaches and things like that. So that's where a lot of that stuff kind of boiled over from. But I don't, like I said, I don't know him. I don't, I don't care to know him. And, you know, but if it's something that they want to make, you know, coming back, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, you know, but like I said, the competition, you know, is pretty heavy in the Westwood division, so so it doesn't matter. And, you know, you're 36 years old now. You started your career 15 years ago. You turned pro in 2004. It's been a great yeah. career. You were uh, a champion. You defended your titles many times. You, were in, you, you fought the best in the division. So how much yeah. do you think is, is left for you? But, you know, because I've seen you on Instagram and stuff after some tough fights, and I know you're kind of contemplating. And, and you know, you have to, after, a, after a fight, it's always tough. So, so how much do you think is, is yeah. left? How many more fights for Andre Berto? We don't know. You know. We don't know quite yet. Um, you know, just like you said, it was 15 years now. 
you know, just the main thing now, you know, we're so focused and we got a lot more mature when it comes to just the health aspect. So I actually, you know, feel feel like I'm still in my in my mid twenties, which is great. But um but we wanna try to be um we want to try to take the step of, of, of you know, not staying in there as long as we have to. You know, I mean, as long as we have to. So, so um, and I can see maybe, you know, maybe like one or two, and then we might be out. But like I said, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in your last fight against Devin Alexander. One month yeah. and you're, on, you're on the winning streak right now. The fight before that, uh, was against Sean Porter, and yeah, obviously so, uh, that's in the news because Sean Porter is taking on Errol Spence. So you, as someone yeah. who's been in the ring with Sean Porter, and we know he, he can kind of be a bulldog, get in your face. Um, yeah. what, what is your pick on on that fight, Sean Porter for versus Errol Spence? How's that going to play out? Um, you know, my pick is uh, I'm gonna have Spence. I have Spence because of just the, of course, just the youth and 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 just the Olympic pedigree behind him. And uh, you know he's very uh, intelligent. Um, he has a great boxing IQ, you know, in there as well. I mean, um, you know, Sean, Sean is rough. Sean is rugged, as you can see. You know, with me, he can throw his elbows, he can throw his headbutts. He, but at the end of the day, he has to get close to you. You know, he's he won't be able to outbox Spence. I don't believe you know Spence has a. You know, he's long and rangy. He knows how to use his distance. Um, and he's a pretty sharp, you know, softball. Um, you know, he always, he always comes in, you know, great shape. Um, you know, so I don't think that that intensity of the work, of the work, you know, rate that, that Sean would bring is gonna, is gonna disturb him. I believe the only way that it's really going to get tough for Spence if he lets, if he lets, you know, Sean, you know, get, you know, get very close to him and, and stay close to him. Um, you know, I know Spence and I know Spence likes to, likes to stay in the pocket too and he likes to dog it out. But, but, you know, you got a guy that's, that's, you know, shorter than you where he can get under your chin and hit you with head, hit you with head butts. Yeah, I mean, just underneath, he can, he can rub you up in that space and that capacity. You know, it's different when you're in the pocket with someone else that is technically sound. You know, I mean, you know where these shots are coming from. You're just turning off, you're just turning off of, you know, different shots from time to time. But, but when you have a guy that is awkward, is rugged, and doesn't, and doesn't play by the script, of what's supposed to be, you know, working on inside, it can be really difficult. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really difficult. Uh, it's, it's gonna be interesting. So it sounds like your take is, is, you know, what, what I'm sure a lot of people in, in Boston are thinking that if Spence can can work the jab, stay on the outside, and and yeah. try to stop that that tornado that is Sean Porter from getting in his face, he he yeah. will have success. And he's shown he ha he is able to to be the boxer against a smaller opponent. I know Mike yeah. is a totally different opponent, but that was. Yeah. He was able to outbox him and kind of keep him at distance in that fight as well. Yeah, but I don't. Um, the thing with Spencer is now, I mean, just just seeing some of his interviews, he wants to kind of stop Sean, and um, you know, I don't, I don't think he should get too much outside of himself. You know, trying to walk Sean down or trying to stay in the pocket with Sean just to try to prove a point, because a lot of things can happen. You know, in that 
in their pocket. You can get cut. You can get. You can take some bad hair butts. You can take some, you know, some elbows. You can take a lot of different things that can, uh, you know, I can, uh, you know, interrupt all that. And you know, it, 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 I'm sure that eventually, when that fight happens, I'm sure you would like to crack maybe at at the winner of that. It is a red hot division. So right now, sure. um, you know, if, if you take yourself out of the equation, who do you who do you think is at the top of the division? Because you have Terrence Crawford, Manny Pacquiao yeah. put on a great performance. Keith Thurman's in the yeah. mix. There's so many names. So who do you, who do you see as like the, the top of the division? I right mean, now? I see like top two, top two right now. Or I mean, like to me, it's Spitz and. Uh, and Crawford. Yeah. I think um I think they're gonna have to see each other sooner or later. I understand the politics go you know, behind it but but I think that's that's really going to determine who's the actual top dog of the division. Uh you really pack out because of course he's great but, you know, he is a lot older and, and he's almost, you know, out of there. So um I say Spence and Crawford. And and let's hope that uh, some of the big matchups in in that division do come together. When you look back at, at your great career, you know, or do you have a you know you you fought so many great people, including Floyd Mayweather. Uh, are there any you know regrets in your career? Anyone that you wanted to face that you weren't able to? Any anything like that? Man, yeah, I mean a lot. I mean, um, you know. I've, of course, everybody knows that me and Shane was supposed to get it in uh, eight years yep. ago. Uh, it was a lot of talk with me and uh, me and Cotto at the time as well. That should have happened. It just didn't happen at the time. Uh, you know, me and Floyd, you know, back then, you know, before the before the Victor Ortiz, the first Victor Ortiz fight, um, what was supposed to happen. Uh, me and Paul Williams, I mean, a lot of... Yeah, a lot of, you know, great fights that were supposed to happen. That was a negotiation at the time that never happened. Uh, you know, me and Kermit Centron, I mean, a lot of people. It goes on and on. I'm just curious. I know you beat Tim Bradley uh, in the amateur. Yeah. So was that ever? Twice. Twice. Did you beat that ever? Someone that you wanted to fight him in the Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, you know, like I said, we had Tim Bradley. We've always been friends. So we used to, we, and that fight almost happened, too. You know, we uh, we spoke about it a lot. You know, actually on the phone as friends, um, you know, trying to make the fight happen. You know, at the time, you know, he was talking to his manager, which was, uh, uh, I forgot his name. But, um, but yeah, you know, that was a fight that we wanted to try to make happen back then, you know. But, uh, but uh, you know, politics came involved. And, you know, at the time, I think I was on HBO. He had some showtime, and we just couldn't, we couldn't, you know, make it happen. Seems like yeah, you guys were always on kind of the different sides of the street there. Yeah. You look back at your, um, you know, we're just talking about you know uh, whoever you'd want to fight or regress or anything like that. You know, you look back at your first loss against Victor Ortiz. Do you look yeah. back at that? That first of all, it was, it was an epic fight in that sixth round where you kind of had him, and then somehow he found yeah. that, you know two left hooks. Do you ever look back at that moment, that sixth round, and? and do you ever analyze that of what kind of happened there for the momentum shift? Yeah, I mean, just to, I mean, just the fight in general. I mean, um, it was just we just being young and and, and you know not taking the fight seriously at all. Uh, you know, coming off off of uh, a tremendous knockout and um, that fight with Floyd was supposed to be next, and uh, you know we were in a lot of the negotiations and. And, um, you know, it didn't happen. He told me, uh, you know, actually Floyd and his team said, well, he needs at least to fight, you know, one more, you know, before you and me. And at the time, I was 
real cocky and I didn't and I got upset and you know, they threw Victor Ortiz out. I didn't know anything about Victor Ortiz and I was just upset. You know, so I didn't really have a serious training camp. I really kinda took it for like like whatever. And just spent those six weeks just trying to make weight, that's about it and just fooled around the whole camp and and, and you know, everybody said what happened. And you know, I'm sure. I'm sure the fact that you fought Freddie Hernandez before that it was a first round knockout for you, so that meant yeah. that you fought one professional round uh, in a year, right? Which is, um, yeah, that, that didn't help. And um, but obviously, you were able to avenge that. And I, and I think that's great. The, the one thing I quickly wanted to touch upon is, is I, I spoke to you at uh, at the gym one time, and you mentioned that the the, t- the knockdown uh, when you got knocked down against Victor Ortiz in the rematch, it was actually because of the sun in StubHub Center, um, which I think is very yeah. interesting because <laughs> it's an outdoor venue, um, yeah. and that that actually adds a whole other element, especially in boxing. If the sun is going down and it gets in your eye, it's going to block you from seeing punches, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the second fight, um, you know, just when he just works in the ring, just going around, and the sun was just right in my face, and I didn't see the, I didn't see the punch coming. It wasn't even a hard punch. It felt like he kind of like, mush my face and like kind of push me back but I just didn't see it because someone was in my face so that was uh, you know no different for me but you know, so we got up and we had the business and, and you fought some of the great fighters like we said and, and just to close it out so the, the, the Floyd Mayweather fight you know the one thing that, that you really did is you put on the pressure you really went for it and you, you tried to yeah. bring the fight to him but it was difficult yeah. was that a big learning experience for you against Floyd? Oh yeah oh yeah tremendous I mean you know my thing is um uh, you know, just me getting ready for that one. It was, it was always, you know, told to me, um, you know, just the atmosphere was going to be something completely different. And it was, um, you know, so in camp, I really just shot a lock in to the point of me just not, not caring what the atmosphere was, um, and not caring, uh, uh, about him and who he was and just, and just going there and, uh, and, you know, do what I came to do. And that wasn't, and that was to not stop and just be ridiculously aggressive and try to stay in his chest and try to stay in his face. Cause I, you know, just knowing, you know, other people, you know, he's very good at, um, at trying to stall the pace. Um, no matter who you are, you're, you know, you're a fast paced fighter, you know, uh, just being who he is and just the atmosphere in general, you know, he can stall you all night. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to stay in that in that space of no, I can't be able to do a job. I'm gonna be in your face all night. So. And and that's certainly certainly what you did. You you, you tried to apply the pressure, and uh, he, he's always tough as as we know. So just to close it out, do you have any message you know to your fans, your supporters who are who are looking forward to, to seeing you in the ring again soon? Man, is everybody, um, you know, just appreciate everybody for support through all all the years, and uh, and just like. And just like any other time, man, we're gonna uh, get our feet after this injury and get back to it. All right, well, well, Andre Berta, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on on all the stuff you, you in boxing you have accomplished so far, and and as we see you in the final stages of your career, you know, looking forward to you to continue taking those challenges, and and, and we hope to see you in there again soon. All right, thank you, man. Appreciate it. That was Andre Berto giving us an update on uh, what happened there with his injury, when he's going to be back, and, of course, breaking down the big Sean Porter versus Errol Spence unification fight, which is coming up on September 28th. My final guest 
is Ivana Habazin. So who is Ivana Habazin? She's fighting Clarissa Shields on October 5th. And this fight actually was supposed to take place this summer. Clarissa had an injury and Ivana actually didn't really necessarily believe that excuse because she posted something on social media saying that she felt that the reason was uh, Clarissa needing more time to make weight, almost accusing her there. So I asked Ivana about that and I also asked her, what is her game plan against Clarissa Shields? You know, we've seen Clarissa roll over everyone uh, and Ivana's been pretty confident. She said she's going to knock out Shields. So I asked her, how exactly does she plan to do that? Here's my conversation with Ivana Habazin. I am Karan Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. I'm speaking to Ivana Habazin. So, Ivana, you have the tough task on October 5th of taking on Clarissa Shields, but you're not coming into it lightly. You're uh, coming in with confidence, and you've actually predicted that you're going to knock out Clarissa Shields. So just tell me about your confidence coming into this fight and, and why you are predicting a knockout. Well... Um, for the first, I'm supposed to be confident. If I am not, then I don't need to go in the ring, you know. But um, I said, like, if I want to win, I definitely must knock her up because for for all the people, she's gonna be she's gonna be um, you know. I'm like I'm a, a underdog, so. I think uh, on scorecard it's gonna be really tough to win, but um, it's not like that. I will go for knockout, you know. So the most important thing is boxing, 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 and then the knockout can come. So everything is possible, and um, but I feel really ready. I feel sharp. I made preparation like never before. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm ready for fight. We can hear the, the confidence in your voice. And this fight was actually originally supposed to be earlier this summer. Um, then there was, uh, then Clarissa said she had an injury and it was pushed back. So when you first heard that the fight was going to be pushed back, um, what was your reaction at that time? You know, first thing what I actually thought was like, damn, I'm not going to see my dog two more months. <laughs> Because I went to the training camp, I was uh, training in Bogota in Colombia, I live from Croatia and um, everything was postponed so it wasn't like step back so I must stay and train and focus for the fight so actually maybe in one way that's good because I get more time but anyway I'm always you know in training I'm always trying to stay shape in shape so wasn't um, in 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 some way I had some feeling that something could happen, you know. So the fight will be will be postponed. But I stay focused. Everything all these four months was um, I had only one focus and I had only one goal and that's victory. So yeah, that's it. And I'm sure you were disappointed that that the fight was pushed back. I saw on so so Clarissa said that she had a knee injury. I saw on social media uh, that you come at, you came out and you said Clarissa, sorry about your fatness. Uh, you know you said um, you know you know kind of winking, saying oh your injury. So do you believe that Clarissa was faking the injury so that she would have more time to make weight? I think she didn't fake an injury, but definitely she uh, needed more time for make her weight because. 
At that time, if she was injured, she said she can train normally. So, you know, you can lose the weight because she was overweight. And I think, uh, but the video was like, at that time, it was a good joke. It was a good video, you know. So it wasn't like, I want to say something bad. It was, for me, it was a joke. So I think people accept that good, which people accept, which don't, I don't care. So anyway, she's back, she's healthy. She's going to make a weight and we will have the fight. And that's the most important thing. That is the most important thing. October 5th is the fight. So just last thing about the fight being pushed back, you know, now, like you said, you're away from, from family, you're, you're away from everyone and your training camp was actually extended and that now it's going to be a longer training camp than, than you normally anticipated. Are you concerned at all about the, the longer training camp, you know, the possibility of overtraining for this? No, I'm not concerned about that because uh, uh, everything was good. My coach uh, make a plan, you know, so we didn't, after the fight was postponed, I took a little break, like seven days, and then we start again, and it wasn't like too much too early, so everything is good, I feel good, I, I feel really sharp, you know, it's like, I never feel like this before, so I think that, that uh, I'm going to show the best me ever. And are you concerned at all? You know, the fight is going to be in Flint, Michigan, which is Clarissa Shields' hometown. Now, you've never fought in America before, let alone this is going to be her hometown. So not even for the, the judges necessarily, but just in terms of the crowd. We know the crowd is going to be supporting Clarissa Shields since, she, since she's from Flint, Michigan. Are you concerned at all about the crowd? I'm only concerned about my life. You know, I want to change my life. This is my last chance. Change, chance probably to do something big so I don't think where I am fighting because in the ring it's gonna be Clarissa against me so we are alone inside nobody can help you so that's all that's that's all I just want the people see the good fight I know everybody will be on her side but that's normally so you know I don't think about that for me that's not important and you've had uh, 23 pro fights. Your debut was in, in 2010. You, you fought big names. You fought Cecilia Brightcast. You fought many others. So would you consider this fight is, against Clarissa Shields on October 5th, is this the biggest moment of, of your career, the biggest fight of your career? Yeah, I definitely I think this is the biggest moment because when I fought Cecilia, I was like before five years. And I think that women's boxing didn't get support what deserved, you know, at that time. So... Actually, Clarissa came now. She's undisputed. She go in third division. And um, she is American and two-time Olympic gold champion, you know. So all media are on her. So definitely, I think it's bigger fight. And definitely, I think it's like, in some way, she's better than Cecilia because Cecilia will always choose who she will fight. Clarissa will never do that. She go up, down. You know, so I respect her and that way, uh, that way is because she showed the, the mentality of the champion and she's young, you know, she's like hungry and she want to fight. So I really respect that. And this is the, the, the one way what motivated me to be better, to, to, to train more, you know, like I, to actually he pushed me to do more and more and more. And I've heard you say that, that you are more of a complete boxer now than, than you were before. So do you feel that, you know, with your experience 
Uh, and and you've you've had a few losses, three losses. One to Cecilia Breakhouse. Um, the first one was in, was in 2013. Your your first loss. So have you learned a lot uh, from from the losses and, and and grown from those? Yeah. Listen, you always learn from loss or from from victory. You always learn. But you know everything is easy when when you win all the time. But when you lose. That stuff. You need to come back. You need to motivate it yourself. You need to came, come to the gym. Uh, all people is around. They watch you on like you are a loser. You know, it's not the same when you are winner or when you lose. So definitely is is tough, but you need to find some power in yourself to come back. It's all in desire. If you want or you don't want to do that, you know. So I came back. I really gave everything for this. So. I don't doubt in myself and we're going to see what's going to happen. I, like I said, this is boxing. Everything is possible. One punch can um, make a judgment and that's all. But this is boxing. You can win or you can lose. So I think everybody has chance in this fight. And, and one punch, like you said, can change everything. And obviously being on this stage... Uh, is, is going to get you a lot of notoriety um, and then this performance will be watched by a lot of people. So not to look ahead of Clarissa Shields because obviously that is a very, very tough test, you know, probably the toughest test in boxing. But, you know, looking ahead, what, what do you hope to achieve in the in the future in boxing? Is there anyone else um, that you hope to match up with? Do you want to rematch with Cecilia Breakhouse? Are there any other names in, in boxing that you're you're looking to fight eventually? Right now, I don't think about anybody else except Clarissa Shields. So we're going to see what's going to happen. And after that, I can talk about future. But right now, my focus is only on Clarissa. And, and like we said, you're, you're from Croatia. And, and I'm sure that, that uh, your fans will be supporting you on October 5th. What would be your, your message to, to your fans and supporters in Croatia? You know, I just want to, it's not only from, from fans for Croatia, but I want to say thank you to all people who support me and uh, I really hope they're going to enjoy. That's the most important thing, you know, especially now it's time for women's boxing to, to grow up and uh, I hope with this fight, uh, we're going to show that women can fight. Absolutely. And then last question, you know, you and Clarissa went back and forth at the press conference. You went back and forth on social media. What would be your, your final message to Clarissa Shields? Good luck. <laughs> Ivana Habizin, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck uh, with your fight against Clarissa, uh, Clarissa Shields on October 5th. We'll definitely be watching and, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Thank you. Talk later, definitely after the fight. And that brings us to the end here of this episode of Ask the Experts. Enjoy all the boxing uh, coming up. I want to thank all my guests, Sean Porter, Otto Valine, John David Jackson, Andre Berto, Ivana Habazin, and as we mentioned, Sean Porter is going to be fighting uh, on September 28th against Errol Spence. Otto Valin just fought. John David Jackson is training Clarissa Shields, who will be fighting on October 5th, and he also used to train Sergey Kovalev, who will now be fighting uh, Canelo Alvarez on November 2nd. Andre Berto is recovering from injury, but he recently fought Sean Porter and Ivana Habazin, like I just said, fighting Clarissa Shields on October 5th. I want to thank all my guests. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it is at 
Curran Batia at C U R R A N B H A T I A. If you want to follow the show, we're on Twitter at at A T E underscore podcast. It's A T E underscore podcast. If you want to email the show, it's ask the experts pod at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, go on iTunes, hit subscribe, give us a five star review. Thank you once again. This is Karan Bhatia signing off for Ask the Experts.